It's time for Defending and Commending the Faith with Joe Mott, inviting the atheist, agnostic, and skeptic to examine for themselves the evidence for the Christian faith. We are all limited by what we do not know and by the things we think we know but are not true. Dr. Joe Mott earned his Ph.D. at LSU and was a distinguished math professor at Florida State University for 38 years, helping to write three math textbooks and authoring over 30 research articles in math. He is now the host of this radio program, Defending and Commending the Faith. Here is Joe Mott. Hello to everybody listening today. I'm Joe Mott, your host, and the program is called Defending and Commending the Faith. I'm thrilled and excited to be with you today. Should you want to ask questions, make comments, or express objections, text them to the radio station, and they will see that I get them. However, no political rants or ideological harangues, please. Just civility. My plan is to address any such question or objection on a future episode of Defending and Commending the Faith. I hope this program will be an educative experience. We are all limited by what we do not know and the things we think we know but are not true. My first major point is the question, what faith am I talking about? I'm not here to defend or commend any false faith systems like the faith of pop spirituality practiced by Oprah Winfrey, Deepak Chopra, etc., or secular humanism, atheism, Islam, Buddhism, Christian liberalism, Jehovah's Witnesses, Mormonism, Christian science, or the progressive Christian or the emergent church's faith. Instead, I am here to defend and commend the Christian faith as reflected by the church's ancient creeds, the Apostles' Creed, the Nicene Creed, the Athanasian Creed, the Creed of Chalcedon. This, I believe, is what C.S. Lewis called mere Christianity. I remember I recommend everyone listening to go online and familiarize yourself with these creeds. I also recommend the foldout called Essential Doctrine Made Easy by Norman Geisler and published by Rose Publishing. Geisler lists 14 essential salvation doctrines, all found in the Apostles' Creed, and two essential interpretive doctrines. Why do creeds matter? I give four answers. <clears throat> First, creeds help Christians to distinguish between essential and non-essential beliefs. Not everyone who disagrees with your Christian beliefs is a heretic. But there are some beliefs on which Christians cannot compromise. The early Christians struggled to keep their faith rooted in the historical truth about Jesus Christ, a truth first proclaimed by apostolic eyewitnesses, then passed on by oral traditions, 
and recorded in the New Testament writings by providing brief summaries of the truth about Jesus, creeds promote unity and identity among his believers. Second, creeds help Christians to focus their faith and worship on the issues that really matter most. The issues that creeds emphasize, such as the Trinity, the character of God, the divinity and humanity of Jesus, and the resurrection, for example, are, are the ones that the earliest Christians understood to matter most. These same beliefs can provide a unifying focus for contemporary Christian teaching and worship. Third, creeds help Christians to identify clearly how these beliefs differ from other belief systems. The Apostle Peter gave this command, quotes, But in your hearts honor Christ the Lord as holy, always being prepared to make a defense to anyone who asks you for a reason for the hope that is in you. Yet do it with gentleness and respect. That's found in 1 Peter 3.15, and I read from the ESV version of the Bible. This particular passage will be foundational uh, for this program. Finally, the creeds are crucial when it comes to giving a defense for the Christian faith. When someone questions uh, the resurrection of Jesus, the Apostles and Nicene creeds provide concise summaries of this core doctrine. If someone asks why Jesus came to earth, and you remember the Nicene Creed, you can answer, it was for us and our salvation. Of course, you should know from your Bible reading that Jesus said, quotes, the Son of Man has come to seek and to save that which was lost, end quotes. That's in Luke 19, verse 10. For the Son of Man did not come to be served, but to serve and give his life for many. That's in Mark 10, 45. And you, you should know also that the Son of Man was his favorite designation for himself. Jesus said, It is not those who are healthy who need a physician, but those who are sick. I did not come to call the self-righteous, but sinners. Mark 2, verse 17. And then in the second half of John 10, verse 10, I came that they may have life, and that they have it more abundantly. My second major point is any faith, religion, or belief system is like the box top of a jigsaw puzzle. Just as the pieces of a jigsaw puzzle are difficult to put together without the portrait on the box top, the many diverse pieces of life make no sense without some kind of unifying big picture. The question is, does any one belief system have the box top picture to this puzzle we call life? 
Many world religions claim that claim they do, but are any of them correct? The picture belief systems offer usually begins with some sort of claim about God. What one believes about God affects everything else that he or she believes. When Mortimer Adler, editor of the Great Books of the Western World, was asked why the God section of the books were the largest section, he observed it's because more implications flow from the subject of God than from any other subject. All belief systems also make claims about the world, either that the world is real or that it is all an illusion. Do you really think that the world is an illusion? If not, then some belief systems are automatically excluded. All belief systems attempt to answer the five most fundamental questions of life. Number one, questions of origin. Where did we humans come from? Two, questions of identity. Who am I? Three, questions of meaning. Why are we here? Why is the world the way it is now? And how do we fix it? Four, questions of morality. How should we then live? And five, questions of destiny. Where are we going? Is there an afterlife? How we answer these five fundamental questions determine how we see the world and how we treat each other. And that determines how we see and value ourselves. So it's important that we resolve these fundamental questions. And it is also important that we discover the truth. Wrong answers take us down the wrong path and could lead us to disaster. We should, we should heed the Socratic dictum that the unexamined life is not worth living by insisting that the unexamined faith is not worth believing. After all, 70 followers of David Koresh went up in flames with him in Waco, Texas. And over 700 followers of Jim Jones committed suicide with their cult leader in Guyana. And then there are hundreds of Muslim suicide bombers who have supposedly laid down their lives for Allah. Clearly, blind faith can be disastrous in this life and in the life to come. I hold that while God wants to reach our hearts, He does not want to bypass our minds in the process. Isaiah wrote, Come now and let us reason together, said the Lord. Isaiah 1.18 Jesus said, You shall know the truth, and the truth shall make you free. Therefore, if the Son of Man makes you free, you shall be free indeed. That's found in John 8, 
32 and 36. In his first epistle, John added, Believe not every spirit, but test the spirits to see if they are of God. That's 1 John 4.1. The Apostle Paul said, Examine everything carefully. Hold fast to that which is good. 1 Thessalonians 5.22. The Apostle Peter urged Christians to give reason for the hope that is in them. 1 Peter 3.15. Indeed, Christ does not call on us to take a leap of faith into the dark, but take a step of faith into the light in the light of evidence. No sensible person would close his eyes and leap into a dark elevator without knowing there is a floor there to hold him up. And Christ does not call on people to make thoughtless decisions about this life or the next. Instead, he insisted we must love God with our mind as well as our heart. Matthew 22, verse 37. He warned against false prophets, Matthew 24:11, and false religion, which mislead many, Matthew 23, verses 13 through 36. So it is necessary for truth seekers to demand reasonable evidence before they can make a firm or final decision. It is in this spirit that I invite the atheist, agnostic, skeptic, objector, and other non-Christians to examine the evidence for the Christian faith for themselves. I will begin the quest for truth on the ground level and move step by step to see that Jesus is the Son of God, the Bible is the Word of God, God exists and is the God of the Bible, the bodily resurrection of Jesus really happened, and Christianity is true, and the gospel is the only way to salvation as it claims to be. Along the way, I make some philosophical arguments. Austin Forer, chaplain of Trinity College from 1935 to 1960, said, For though argument does not create conviction, the lack of it destroys belief. What seems to be proved may not be embraced, but what no one shows the ability to defend is quickly abandoned. Thank you for listening to Defending and Commending the Faith with Joe Mott, a production of Wave 94 Radio in Tallahassee, Florida. If you have any questions or comments for Joe, please forward them to Doug Apple at Wave 94 at this email address, dougapple at wave94.com. And be sure to join us every Monday evening at 6.45 p.m. on Wave 94 and subscribe through your favorite podcast app, Defending and Commending the Faith with Joe Mott.